This film stuff is sponsored by Terrification of Walt Disney. This Our trembling fear of Walt Disney. Of Walt Disney's legal team. Yeah. Today's topic is on Walt Disney. Walt Disney and how terrifying he is. Yep. You're listening to this now, so chances are that you've listened to a Film Stuff episode before. You'll know that we use these little sound clips at the beginning to sort of separate like our thinking sections. And I'm terrified that Disney is going to get us for the copyright. <laughs> so instead of using a Disney-related little sound clip, what should we use, Susie? We should use my singing voice. Okay. So la, it's a- la, 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 la. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, first of all, we both, I don't think, like musicals, but I think there's a um, spot in our hearts for Disney um, films. I think they were called the Disney classics. Like, they, they called the line of those animated 2D films the Disney classics. You know, Snow White. Yep. Um, Cinderella. Lion, Lion King, King. Aladdin. Little Mermaid. Mulan was sort of the tail end of our Disney era, I think. Yeah, but I have grown up with it. You have grown up with it. People are still growing up with the Disney. Yes. But they talk about Disney as an entity, as a concept. Nobody talks much about Walt Disney as a man. So I want you to think of him as sort of like a Steve Jobs type figure who, you know, Steve started Apple, but he wasn't with Steve Wozniak. But like he wasn't an engineering background. He wasn't one of those geeky coders. He just had a vision of how it was going to be. And he was a businessman and he was ruthless and a little bit crazy, but also genius and made a lasting impression on the field. That's basically what Walt Disney was like. He was more of a businessman than an artist. He wasn't a traditional animator, but he did have a good sense about this stuff. He had a business vision and he sort of brought Disney into what it is today, but he wasn't exactly a nice guy. At times he was a little difficult to be around and some of his business practices weren't particularly great. Mm -hmm. So think of him like the archetypal asshole genius. Okay, cool. Okay. How was he a genius, first of all? How was he a genius? Okay, so do you know the story behind the film Snow White? No. Okay. Before Snow White came out, there had never been a feature-length animated film. Really? Yes. So this was the first. From all the Disney classics, Snow White was the first one? The absolute first one. Ooh, I thought Mickey Mouse was the first one. So Mickey Mouse was a series of shorts, mm. and Walt Disney used to work at Universal. And at Universal, he had worked with this other guy, this artist, character artist, and they had come up with a really popular, really popular rabbit character called Lucky, I think, Lucky Rabbit. And so, you know, he did, but it was kind of a kid's, it's sort of like the Saturday morning cartoon Bugs Bunny Animaniacs type of kids programming. Mm-hmm. And they usually showed before movies. They had little shorts before movies. They were accompanied by live orchestra, so there wasn't like contiguous sound. And uh, I think the first Mickey Mouse came out in 1928, way early days of cinema. So he had this vision of actually animated content can be for adults too. It doesn't just have to be for kids. And everybody in the business thought he was absolutely nuts. No one's going to watch a feature-length movie about animation. And even more impressive, Snow White was the first time they'd ever tried to animate humans. Mm. So he was so worried he was going to get it wrong that he literally shot the whole film and film stock with live-action human. Really? And then they went and they traced every single frame. They rotoscoped Uh, it. Yeah. (laughs) Because he wanted to make sure that the human movement looked natural fudge <laughs> that's intense work like feature film is about 90 minutes mm-hmm. or 60 minutes i mean a lot of their animation oh. was hand painted on celluloid 
Oh and my artists God. would come and hand paint that on the cellulite. So they had a couple really early Disney films where the artists would come in, they'd mix yeah. live action and animation and they would hand paint it. There was no animatronics. It was like hand painted specifically into to the God celluloid damn. itself. Oh man. Pretty impressive, right? Mm-hmm. So he didn't, he took a really big financial risk with that. He didn't know how it was going to pan out. He didn't know if it was going to be a good or not. Risk. Huge creative risk. Huge creative risk. And of course, Snow White was a hit. Walt Disney wouldn't have become Walt Disney if Snow White hadn't worked out. Mm-hmm. That was a really important moment. So I do have this specific memory of when uh, Pixar started dropping films. Toy Story came out and it was the first 3D oh, animated Oh, yeah. yeah. That's why film. it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a huge deal. And it was really good. People loved it. Mm-hmm. And it was also a technological advancement. And Disney had purchased Pixar, but it wasn't a surprising move because that's what Disney has always been about. Swallowing things? <gasps> No. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but we'll get to that before no. that. But also turning feature-length animated film into uh, f- whole family entertainment, not just children's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Adults really enjoy them, too. So there's cool. two layers of jokes in most Pixar and Disney films. There's the ones adults get and the ones children get. Mm. So. He was always taking creative risks. Mm. Like He decided, you know, kids aren't into orchestral music. I bet if we combined animation into orchestral music, I bet we can get kids to like classical music. So he created Walt Disney's Fantasia, and it was a bunch of classical pieces, and then they had little Mickey Mouse and other character, like, scenes, different animation styles. To play around. To play around. That's cool. Yeah. So people did like it now. Yes, Big people liked music. it. People liked it. La, 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 la. My second favorite topic after Walt Disney himself is also, like, how insane they run the Disney theme parks. I had a manager that used to be on the media team over at one of the, the Florida, the big one, the original Disney World, and he told me a lot of insider details details that were just like mind-boggling so you know it's it's incredibly well thought out um a big one was that mickey has a very strict schedule (laughs) because they they don't want to ruin the illusion for children so obviously there's more than one mickey but it's like you can't see two mickeys at the same time it's impossible so they don't want kids to see one going that direction and then two minutes later see in a different place going a different direction that's disorienting for a kid they want to believe that there's that mickey mouse is real so they've scheduled it so that it's impossible for you to see right while you're in disneyland right so media teams news teams come all the time and they just want to like oh let's just get a shot with mickey and they're like no mickey has a schedule (laughs) mickey is the strictest of all the the costume characters like so there's, there's there's music for each. There's sections of the park, right? There's like yes. Tomorrowland, there's Yesterland, no, Present no. Land. There's the Magic Kingdom, and then there's like the... the Mickey Land. <laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you what they are right now. <laughs> anyway, The big one parts. is there's the Magic Kingdom is like the big one. And then within the Magic Kingdom, there's the different little lands. Yeah. There's like the Mark Twain section. Ooh, then there's the, the, the Enchanted entrance. Land. There's the Sleeping like, Beauty Land. No, okay. you're messing it up. I don't know. Anyway, there's different parts of the park. Parks. Right, that have different themes. So there's like the future one, there's the like the magical one, and so they have different music for each part of the each oh. section of the park. Mm-hmm. They've made the experience such that as you're walking from one section of the park, the music naturally transitions. So not only have they, it does each speaker play something completely unique, but they all sort of seamlessly blend. So as you're walking from one section to the next, you don't notice the music changing. It just sort of gradually happens. Mm-hmm. And they've also, on the walking path, they've placed the speakers at such a distance that the volume always remains constant while you're in the park. If you think about it, is a filmmaker's version of trying to r- control reality. Like exactly. it's like having the soundtrack really influences your emotional experience of a movie. So basically he's doing that except in real life 
while you're in this park, there's going to be a soundtrack that will guide you into how to emotionally feel during this experience. <laughs> it's a little bit crazy, but a little bit genius. Yeah. And that is exactly how De- Walt Disney or Disneyland is doing it. Yes. Impressive. Yes. I thought it was super impressive. We met a few people who are like, we we work in Disneyland as part-time worker mm. and they love it there people really love, love it, it. They, it's literally the happiest place on earth trademark really yes. trademark <laughs> oh my god i can't la, 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 la. here's the thing that kind of rankles me about disney is the copyright thing and the trademark thing kind of gets under my skin a little bit as yes. an artist it's a i don't know what the right answer is here mm-hmm. but disney has had an iron grip on copyright law in the u.s mm-hmm. so Thing number one is a lot of the Disney classics that you and I grew up with and still have a special place in our hearts for that we talked about earlier. Those films and those stories, most of them were in the public domain. You know what the public domain is, Susie? No. Okay, so if you make an artwork and then you die, then the artwork that you made doesn't belong to you anymore. For a certain amount of time, you can still have a copyright to that. Your kids can still have a copyright to that. But after you died, basically, like, what do we do with things that people made? When you're Mm -hmm. alive, of course you own your work. But if you're not alive and you don't own your work, then where does it go? That's the public domain. And it means that anybody can look at your work and use it. They can use it for a commercial purpose to make money. They can use it for a non-commercial purpose to make art. They can use it to paint on their wall. They can do anything that they want with it because it's publicly available intellectual material. Anybody can take it and do something with it. Now, Walt Disney did a lot with the public domain. He took stories that were old fairy tales, things like Sleeping Beauty, which is an age-old fairy tale. He turned it into this film, and you can't copyright Sleeping Beauty, but you can copyright the film. And since he was so successful, all depictions of Sleeping Beauty usually come from the Disney film, so he does have the copyright on that. But what's unusual about Walt Disney, and this is where the kind of being an asshole comes into it, they made some legal moves so that Mickey Mouse would not enter the public domain. First, when Mickey Mouse came out in 1928, originally copyright was 28 years, plus you could renew for one 28-year term. One, what, 20 years, so it's 40 years. 20, 28 plus 28 is what, 42, 42 oh, 40 years. 42 years. 14. No, 52 years. 28, 28, right? Yeah, 52. Yeah, 52 years. No, 28, 28. One 56. term, you can renew it once. Same amount 56. of time. 56. So for 56 years, you could theoretically hold a copyright on something like Mickey Mouse. And then they they lobbied heavily to have that extended. So then it got extended to 50 years. And then that 28-year term from 50 years got extended to 75 years. When copyright life first came out, it was 14 years. So 14 years of what? Like after the person died? After you make it. Uh, I after, make it, mm. I have the copyright on it for 14 years, and I have to use it. Mm-hmm. If I don't use it, I don't get the copyright. So for 14 years, I have copyright on this thing that I made, mm-hmm. and then I can renew it for an additional 14 years. One term. Good. Right. That was the original copyright law. And then when the 28-year one came out, they kind of post-applied it. When the laws changed, they were like, yeah, stuff made after this date that also can still have the copyright. So they mm. sort of, not just going forward, looking at stuff made, that copyright gets extended. Uh-huh. So Walt Disney kept lobbying really hard to have copyright terms extended under the law, which you can understand why if Mickey Mouse enters the public domain, suddenly anybody that wants to can put Mickey Mouse on everything, which is their the image of their company. Mickey Mouse is a character that Walt Disney created. I totally understand wanting to keep that. But some of the other things that were created by Walt Disney were already in the public domain and so how now does, belong to Disney exactly. and aren't going back to the public domain because, because Disney his. wants to hold on to the copyright. Okay. And that is a big question. And so when it comes to artists and people intellectually doing stuff, Walt Disney had a big, rich amount of subjects that 
were in the public domain that he could use as background for his films. But in today's society, the copyright laws are a lot stricter. So there's not as much in the public domain that artists can actually use to create works like Disney did. So, so Disney right now has until, is it 2020, I think, or 2023? It's one of those two to sort out the next copyright. <laughs> really? Yeah. For Mickey Mouse? Yeah, and they're still trying to extend it. They're lobbying right now. That's what oh I hear. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm, my God. I have a, I'm not a specialist. I'm not an expert in law. I, this is kind of a layman's view of it. That's the word on the street about Disney and copyright. Mm. I would encourage anybody who's interested in the subject to look into it in more detail because we're not experts. But I do know that Disney and copyright is a very hairy, hairy subject that a lot of people feel negatively about. Mm -hmm. La 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 la. I think Walt Disney just took advantage of the tools that were available to him. I don't think he was like trying to stifle artists in the future. Oh. I just think that the copyright law, it's just, that's how things develop. It's, it's just a different, we just live in a different world. But I don't think there could be another Disney because of it. Because there was so few regulations, a lot of the things that Disney did you can't do now. And he did so many technological develop developments and, and creative developments. Yeah, that really just made a lasting impression on the film industry in general. It made animation a field, really. And I'm sure it would have developed without him. But, you know, like, you look at The Lion King, and he basically straight up stole The Lion King. Yeah, I mean, he stole The Lion King. If you go back and you watch the, his original source material, you will be astounded by how much animation technique and ideas he totally just lifted. But... He was doing it in a different country where that film didn't have distribution and, you know, it's sort of... The law was, like, not as, like, there was not much as profound copyrighted, like, you know. Like right. Now, internationally, you can trademark it, you yep. can intellectual property laws, right. and there's all these other tools you're available to make and have evidence that you came up with it and you were the original yep. person to it, but... Back in the days, like... Not that many multinational corporations, really. Obviously, like, you know, artists generally share techniques. That's why there's movements in art. Yeah, it's, you know, it's course. kind of, there's a natural flow. But at the same time, if you go back and look, it's a little bit like, whoa. So he stole so much. He took a lot from the public domain and he stole things from other animated films and yet had this very brutal business policy of going after people that violated his copyright mm -hmm. and of protection for yeah. his own work. Oh, really back it up. He not only stole it, but he had brutal policy of punishing people for using his stuff. Yeah, he's a little like Edison. You know, Edison's whole business move was, I have a patent! I have the patent! That was Edison's business move. Really? Yeah, Thomas Edison. He oh wasn't really God. an inventor. I mean, he was an inventor. Mostly, he just knew how to hire people, but he was very like, I have a patent for everything. Like, he would just steal people's really? patents. Yeah, he, just, he was into the legal. He was using the legal system to his advantage. Oh, my God. He was all about that patent system. <laughs> I think Walt Disney was a little bit like that. Like, there's a very famous story about Disney as the entity, not Walt Disney as the person. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard it in film school a lot. Uh, there's a third grade teacher who painted Snow White on her classroom wall and got sued because she didn't pay for the, the licensing rights to, Damn. to Snow White. <laughs> so... That's a, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's the... How aggressive they are. That's how aggressive copyright. the company was about pursuing copyright. I think there still are. It's really hard to claim your um, rights to your creative work. So it's great that there's someone out there like Disney, Netflix, actually aggressively trying to protect their you know, I, yeah. creative work. I think there's a misconception about media. It's really hard to make money off of media. People think it's easy. It's really hard. 
And so when you are somebody that is a multinational corporation that is able to make money off of your intellectual property, it's not about the box ticket. It's not about really how much people watched. It's basically they're licensing out of whatever right. copyright they have. Because Disney is only Disney because of the theme parks and the merchandise and the school and the town and the movies and all of these coloring books. And I mean, the merchandise is a huge part of Disney's business. I understand why, why a company might want to protect their intellectual property that aggressively. I can totally get that. Yeah. I think the problem is that there's a power imbalance in the system where a lot of big multinational corporations, you see it all the time with artists who make like cool pins that then get stolen by Zara or, or that get yeah. t- that's a big issue in our society because the people that have the legal power to take things and then protect them or to pay for trademarks and pay for copyright, small independent artists can't compete with that. Yeah. So I understand why it's a great practice for Disney to be protecting its copyright, but I also think it's an imbalanced system that favors people with resources over people without resources. That's true. So small artists that maybe have a good idea might want to sell something to business to, to a business like Disney. Like, oh, I have a great character and Disney wants to buy it. You saw that with like um, Studio Ghibli. Disney wanted to be the distributor in the U.S., so they wanted to purchase the rights to that. But the problem is also that small companies have no negotiating power against a company like that. So who sets the terms? Disney. And how, who's to, what's the incentive for Disney to set good terms? There's none. The incentive is all in the business to take advantage. That's true. So I think it's, uh, I, don't, I'm not, I don't want to be like a bleeding heart liberal, like, rage against the system. That's not, that's not what I'm trying yeah. to say at all. What I'm trying to say is that I, copyright on the whole isn't a bad thing, just because mm-hmm. Disney maybe takes it a little too far. Exactly. I, I don't, I'm not saying copyright's a bad thing. I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah. Do you do you have any changed opinions on Disney now that we've talked about um, Disney? I feel like it's incredibly powerful company. It's one of the powerful media company. There's a good things to learn about it, and there's also bad things to watch out for. Mm. And yeah, it's um, I think it's kind of um, fascinating how they became Disney. Yeah. And but I feel like we all have this like we discussed this about the leadership mm. and about Steve Jobs yep. and Walt Disney figure. But what kind of person should you be to really push the boundaries and create innovation? That's the oh, last that's question. Such we'll a good end topic. Up. Exactly. Maybe that's maybe that should be the next episode because I don't know. It's not really related to film stuff. It, I mean, but okay, it is though. Yeah, because we will talk about more about directors' yes. behavior. Okay, then. that's the next topic. We're going to talk about director behavior. All right. I think this uh, extends to not only movie films, mm. but also music. Music yes. copyright is a huge topic. Oh I gosh. think we kind of talked upon a little bit mm. on our like last, 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 I don't know, podcast. So if you are interested in this kind of subject, please um, email us, talk more, mm. and let us know what your thoughts are. And if you are a legal person, please let us know yes. how we can protect our accent. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Thanks for listening and see you next time. See you next time.